When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Howdy, folks, and welcome to this edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Hopefully your new year is going well. You still got your resolution going. Typically the resolutions last about a week or so. Uh, I'm not even sure I said Happy New Year last week in my first podcast back after uh, New Year's Day. So Happy New Year's to everybody. I'm going to talk expectations today on the show. Uh, how things change whenever expectations change. I've got a whole lot of good news. There's a whole lot of good news. And then, because of the expectations, there is some potentially difficult news that we have to talk about with regards to Penn State football as well. Well, what do I mean by all this? Okay, so here here's the tremendous news. This is... The glass is completely full edition uh, of what we're talking about here. Penn State went 11 and two, won the Rose Bowl, finished ranked seventh in the country. Hey, that's fantastic. There, there is so much momentum going right now in the Penn State football program because of this extremely successful and, and unexpected Season. Even the best case scenario for a lot of people didn't really have the Lions winning a Rose Bowl this year. You might have thought nine or 10 wins. They went 11 2, won the Rose Bowl. The glass is full, not half full, but the glass is full component of all of this is I'm going to sit here and tell you that the Penn State football program is in a tremendous position right now. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Ranked number seven to finish this season. Already looking ahead to way too early top 25s for next season. Penn State's basically around number seven for everybody. They've got the sixth highest odds to win the national championship as of right now. That means very little in mid-January, but as of right now, that's pretty darn spectacular. So again, if if we want to talk about good news and something to feel good about, something to feel extremely optimistic about. The word momentum is the word that I keep I keep bringing up because there is so much positive uh positivity going on around the program right now. That's the that's the sensational news. A byproduct of that is now expectations change. 
this is where things get really interesting to me. Because in just a minute here, I'm going to sit here and rattle off some pretty darn big concerns. And you can, in the back of your mind, say, hey, but that's okay. We're going to be great. And then when I run off, run through the second one, and you can say, hey, that's okay. We're going to be great. Rank seventh in the country in the preseason next year. And then I'm going to rattle off another one. And you're going to say, hey, that's going to be great. Sixth highest odds win the national championship this year. What I'm getting at is it's, it's fantastic to have tremendous expectations for next year. And everybody should. In no way am I telling you Penn State should not have great expectations for next year. But with great expectations comes great responsibility. What the hell are you talking about, Geiger? I don't think the wide receivers on this team are all that good. That's question number one. Question mark number one. The expectation is Penn State might win a national championship next year. I don't think the wide receivers are all that good. Are they going to be able to win a national championship, get to a playoff with the wide receivers they've got? They've picked up no one from the transfer portal yet. Maybe they get Dante Sivas before the portal window closes on January 18th, or maybe they get him in May for the next window. As of right now, they don't have a number one receiver on this team. The, the great expectation is Penn State's going to, going to go into next season with the number seven team in the country. With these wide receivers, are they going to beat Ohio State and Columbus? With these wide receivers, are they going to beat Michigan? Okay, that's what we're getting at with regards to expectations. When the expectations reach cer- a, such a certain level, The only thing left to do is try to come up with things that could poke a hole in those expectations. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've gone over and over and over all of this. I haven't written my record prediction yet for next season. I haven't decided on one yet. I may go 11 and 1. I've thought about 8 and 4. Ah, that's ridiculous, Geiger. You're just hating Penn State. They don't have a legitimate number one Big Ten wide receiver on this team right now. I'm not sure they have a legitimate number two wide receiver on this team right now. If the expectation is going to be number seven team in the country, maybe go to a playoff, do they have the personnel at wide receiver to do it? Well, hey, but they've got other weapons on offense. Here's question mark number two. We have any idea how good Drew Aller is? You have any idea how he's going to fare in a tie game or trailing by three in the fourth quarter on third down and eight from his own 25-yard line? Do we have any idea if he can complete that pass and lead a touchdown drive? We don't. Now, he is tremendously highly thought of. And I am going to get into this component more in, in in a story at some point. If you take a look at a lot of the teams ranked in like the top 10 for the preseason next year, a whole bunch of them are going to have new quarterbacks. This is not just a Penn State thing. 
Alabama's going to have a new starting quarterback. Ohio State's going to have a new starting quarterback. Penn State's going to have a new starting quarterback. There, there are a lot of teams uh, that, that are going to have new starting quarterbacks that we don't know a whole heck of a lot about. This is not a, a, a thing that's just limited to Penn State. But if the expectation, again, this is what I'm going to k- keep coming back to, with great expectations comes great responsibility. The expectation is that Drew Aller is going to come in and be a superstar. Can he do that if he doesn't have great wide receivers? Brenton Strange, the best tight end on the team, he's going to be gone. They still got Tyler Warren. They still got Theo Johnson. Theo's a good receiver. Tyler, or it's a good, good tight end all around. Tyler's a good tight end all around. They block well. They, they catch the ball well. But the best tight end is gone and the top two receivers are gone. So they should have a good offensive line. Let me repeat that because that's rarely said over the years going into any season for Penn State. Penn State should have a good offensive line. The running backs are clearly there with Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. But if the expectation is competing for a national championship, get competing for a playoff berth, there is a big enough question mark to wonder, can they do that if Drew Aller doesn't have the weapons that he needs. And folks, I'm not talking about against West Virginia. I'm not talking about against Illinois. I'm not talking about against Maryland. I'm talking about against Ohio State and Michigan. That's the expectation. That's the discussion here. Penn State could go 10-2 and next year. Let me backtrack here just a little bit. Going into the Rose Bowl, we had no friggin' clue how good this Penn State team was. No clue. You didn't have a clue. I guarantee you, you didn't have a clue. Neither did I. But they were 10 and 2. They ranked 11th in the country. Hadn't beaten anybody. As it turns out, they were better than we thought. They proved it with Utah. Then you take a looking glass back and the way they crushed Maryland, the way they crushed Minnesota, some pretty decent teams. Better team than we thought. Didn't beat Michigan. Didn't beat Ohio State. So where we are now, we're back to 2018. We're back to the hope and promise and possibilities of being elite because the expectation has now risen so fast that we need to take a step back and maybe try to look at the whole big picture of reality and wonder if, hey, this was a great season. Have the expectations gone too far too quickly given some of the issues you're not going to have as of right now maybe they maybe this changes with the portal or maybe Harrison Wallace or KLS or Caden Saunders becomes a superstar wide receiver and we'll revisit all that in September and October as of right now you don't have that guy and you just lost your top tight end and you're breaking in a freshman a new quarterback he'll be a sophomore a new quarterback who we think can be sensational, but you know how many quarterbacks in the history of college and professional football that we thought were going to be sensational that turned out being pretty mediocre or even terrible? That list is enormous. I'm not saying Drew Aller is going to be terrible. I'm saying that are you going to expect him to go to Columbus next year and beat Ohio State? If that's your expectation, that's that's fine. That's I'm, Again, I'm not telling you to not have the expectation, 
I'm asking you to look around the room and see if that expectation is realistic based on the issues that I've just given you. He's never thrown a meaningful pass in any game outside of one series at Purdue, at Purdue in college. He has not thrown a meaningful pass in college football outside of one series at Purdue. That's Drew Aller. Is he going to step in and be a superstar right away? Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. It'd be awesome if he does. It'd be fantastic. Can you guarantee it's going to happen? No. Is he going to have the wide receivers to, to fully reach the potential of greatness that he has? I don't think so. Not as of right now. That's We'll see about the summer. We'll see about the spring, how things develop. That's going to put pressure on the running game. If you don't have the game-breaking playmakers on the outside that can beat you down the field, what are you going to do as a defense? You don't need to be Manny D. You don't need to be a brilliant defensive coordinator like Manny Diaz to figure out that if you don't have game-changing playmakers on the outside and you've got an inexperienced quarterback, what am I going to do? I'm going to stop you from running the ball. I'm going to load up and I'm going to sell out and I'm going to I'm going to bring eight or nine to stop your running game and I'll put my corners on an island against KLS and Harrison Wallace. And if you're going three wide, Caden Saunders or whomever, Liam, Liam Clifford, whomever else. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to send eight or nine in the box to try to stop you from running. That's what I'm getting at, folks. Uh, I want to reiterate this one more time. I'm not trying to take away the excitement level for next year. What I'm trying to point out is the expectation grew so quickly. The Rose Bowl win, the number seven finish, it grew so rapidly. And, and number seven prediction for next year that we need to take a step back and think, okay, how much of this should all of us on the outside temper our expectations a little bit and say, hey, we need to see them prove it to us next year with different personnel. I haven't even gotten to the defensive ball yet. They're going to lose the first first round draft pick in program history as a defensive back. It'd be stunning if Joey Porter Jr. doesn't go in the first round. Penn State has never had a defensive back go in the first round of the draft. Joey Porter Jr. should be the first one. They're also losing Jair Brown, really one of the great defensive leaders they've had for the last handful of years. They got Kalen King. He could be every bit as good as Joey Porter. And they're bringing in Storm Duck from North Carolina. But you're still losing, really, two of your three best defensive players. Got to replace those guys. And so, if you if you have a little bit more of an issue in the secondary... Now that makes things a little bit more difficult for the for the defensive line. They've got to get pressure on the quarterback quicker because the DBs aren't going to be able to stay in coverage as as long. Uh, again, folks, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you to not be excited for next year. I just wonder if the level of expectation grew a little too quickly. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up in the second segment, lots of news this week. Players coming and going, leaving for the NFL, some staying. We'll get into all those here in a moment.
All right, welcome back to second segment of the We Are Podcast. Busy week for Penn State. Really a lot of comings and goings, a lot of transfer portal news. Um, one big rules change in the transfer portal, which I think is massive. I'll get to that in just a second. But uh, early January, it's interesting because after the season is over, me as a media member, I'm always sitting here wondering, okay, well, what are we going to write now? What, what are we going to write today? What are we going to write tomorrow? You try to come up with some feature ideas, some topics to to get you through a slow news day or week or no, news cycle or what have you. And then you're just kind of hit with, you know, one uh, news development after another. A lot of this week was about the top 25 rankings. Pat Narduzzi dissing Penn State. James Franklin dissing Pitt. James Franklin dissing Pitt. I'm going to talk about that stuff in the third segment and how much fun all that stuff can kind of be. But uh, there actually was a good bit of news this week, and it may, it's it's interesting because it makes my job interesting as we're into January still. The season's over. Hopefully, it makes things interesting for you guys, the fans, because there's still a lot of Penn State news and topics and discussion points out there. Uh, one of the big ones. Happened, uh, what was it, Friday, Kevon Lee announced that he will be transferring. He's going into the transfer portal. It's not a surprise at all, given the fact that Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen came in as freshmen and, and, and really emerged. And one thing I will say is I've seen a lot of positive and uh, well-wishing, uh, positive thoughts and well-wishing from the fan base for Kevon Lee. And that's good to see. It doesn't always work this way. Sometimes guys leave and Penn State fans are like, well, okay, see you, good luck, whatever. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, blah, blah, blah. I've seen a lot of respect for Kevon Lee from the fan base over the last day and a half or so. I've seen a lot of people posting, hey, good guy. He did what he could. He was a leader, uh, did, handled his situation well. He only played five games this year. We're talking about really a... a, a a disappointing and sad and kind of sad story for Kevon Lee. He was the leading rusher on the Penn State team for each of the past two seasons. And then this year he comes comes in and he catches the winning touchdown pass on the road at Purdue to cap that TD drive, 57 seconds to go. And I mean that's that's one of the biggest touchdowns of the Penn State season. If they lose this game, they don't go to the Rose Bowl, that's for sure. But you know, if they lose this game, then it's a it's just a different story all the way around. And so you just think about, you know, Kevon Lee coming in in 2020 after Noah Kane gets hurt, Journey Brown has to medically retire. Kevon Lee ends up being kind of being the guy at running back for that year. Had 100 plus yards at Michigan in 2020. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, hey, this kid running behind a bad offensive line is doing pretty well. Led the team in rushing. Last year, everything just fell apart for the running game. The offensive line was bad. The running game was, was horrible. And, and Kevon Lee led the team in rushing again. Um, but still, you're talking 400 something, 500 yards. So you're not, you're not talking about a, a, a real breakout season. Nothing that happened this season was unexpected with Nicholas Singleton taking over as the guy. I think maybe we were probably surprised by Katron Allen being so good and maybe, maybe. Javon Lee thought he could hold on to that number one running back spot or at least be the number two guy for the most part. But that really fell apart in a hurry. And then he got hurt and missed pretty much the second half of the season. He had one carry at Michigan. And that's sad because, again, in 2020, he had 100 yards there. And then Penn State didn't have another 100-yard rusher 
until Nicholas Singleton in week two against Ohio this week. So Kevon Lee did a lot of good things. Uh, he was, I think it probably served as a, le- a good leader for those two young, run- young running backs this year. But I wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully he lands in a good spot and can stay healthy and enjoy a productive college career. Because that's what the transfer portal comes down to. Sometimes guys, they just don't quite get the opportunity that they want to have. And it's not about, hey, I'm not going to stick around and compete. It's not about I'm going to sulk. Sometimes the reality of the situation is like Kevon Lee. You, you know your opportunity is gone and you're not just going to sit around and waste your, you know, your eligibility and really not ever get any kind of chance to play. Same kind of with Christian Veyor. The writing was on the wall. Drew Aller is going to be the quarterback for the next two years. Christian Veyor was not going to play unless something crazy happened. And so he, you know, ends up leaving. So those kinds of guys, you, you, it is, I think it is easier to say, Hey, good luck to you. Best wishes. Hopefully things go well. Not everybody transfers out under good terms. You know, sometimes there's hurt feelings or, Players feel like maybe they didn't get the opportunity they deserved or that they had earned. Maybe they feel like coaches, you know, weren't honest with them or what have you. But for the most part, so far in the transfer portal, uh, this, this cycle, it's been guys, you know, that had not gotten much opportunity at Penn State and, and you wish them the best that they will go on and hopefully get a good opportunity somewhere else. Saturday. Uh, kicker Jake Penninger announced that he is going to forgo his final season at Penn State and uh, give his give it give it a shot in the NFL. Hopefully, it works out for Jake. He was kind of inconsistent in college, but so was Robbie Gold. We'll always remember Robbie Gold was not a great kicker at Penn State, and he's gone on really to become one of the great kickers in NFL history. And the Niners had a huge playoff win Saturday, so good luck to them. Hopefully, Robbie Gold can continue to kick well. I don't want to exaggerate losing Jake Penninger and make it seem like it's an enormous loss that he can't be replaced. But as of right now, they don't really have a guy that you think is going to be really overly, you know, could, could be overly reliable. We just don't know. So this kind of bleeds back into what I was talking about in the first segment about expectations. If you're in a close game, as of right now, on January... I'm recording this on Saturday, so it's the 14th. Saturday the 14th. That's a terrible movie from the 80s, that uh, comedy movie that was tried to tried to parody the Friday 3rd. Anyway, um, do they have a kicker right now that you think can make a 45-yard field goal to beat Ohio State or Michigan? Who would that guy be? There's going to be a competition throughout the summer, spring and summer. Sanders Sahadak. Was with the team this year. He was Pinnaker's backup. He went one for two. They brought in a kid, Alex Falcons from Columbia. He walked on, two-time All Ivy League performer. But I was looking over his numbers at Columbia. He was thirty-six out of fifty-four. Thirty-six out of fifty-four. That's not going to cut it at Penn State in the Big Ten. He did have a long of fifty-three, so he's got a leg. I would think maybe because he's got experience that he might be the leader in the clubhouse right now for the kicking job next year. And maybe the kid turns out to be great. But again, to go back to what I was saying about expectations, you get into a close game next year, you need a field goal. No, Jake Penninger wasn't great, but he had been around a long time. He kind of knew what you were going to get. He'd, he'd attempted a lot of big kicks in the Big Ten. That's another question mark. So, um, 
But best of luck to Jake. Hey, some people just don't want to be in college anymore. I get that. I have, I've, I've had some comments on the website of people saying, Hey, well, you know, why wouldn't he just come back? You know, he's, his chances of making the NFL are probably not great. And that is true. But he'd been in college for five years. He got here in 2018, for goodness sake. How many of you want to be in college for seven years? Yeah, they're called doctors. No. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, sometimes you just, you're, you're tired. You're ready to move on. You, you, you're a man at that point, really. You know, you've been around a long time. So it's not just about, Hey, we'll help him develop his football stock or this or that. Sometimes you just want to move on with your life. So Penn State's had a, a, a number of kids enter the transfer portal. One Devon Townley, defensive lineman, he had entered and then he announced, uh, what was it? Thursday or Friday that he is going to stay at Penn State. And that's the kind of thing that comes up every now and then people will say, Hey, what happens if a guy enters the portal? Would he be welcomed back if he decides to stay? We saw it with Lamont Wade. He was welcomed back and ended up having a, a, a good end to his career at Penn State. And Devon Townley, hopefully it'll work out well for him that he sticks around and, uh, will get a, a, a good opportunity. As of right now, the, the guys that have entered the portal, Christian Vayor, cornerback Jeffrey Davis Jr., defensive end Rodney McGraw, He's going to Louisville, by the way. Vayor to Pitt. Offensive tackle Malik McNeil. Defensive lineman Fatorma Molba. He, he agreed to go to West Virginia. Linebacker Jamari Budden. Right, running back Kevon Lee. They picked up a wide receiver from the transfer portal and Devin Carter from NC State. That happened the night of the Rose Bowl. But Carter flipped this week and he's going to go to West Virginia. What's the deal with West Virginia? Rodney Gallagher. Heavy Penn State. Recruit now Uniontown is close to Morgantown, so he ends up going to West Virginia. Opened up his recruitment again, still goes to West Virginia. Devin Carter commits to Penn State from NC State. He decides to go to West Virginia. Fatorma Molba now he's going to go to West Virginia. It's interesting. Penn State plays West Virginia in Week One next season, so that's going to be kind of an interesting little matchup. But uh, you know. A, a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of guys deciding about their futures. And if you're listening to this over the weekend, we, they've got until January 18th, which is what Wednesday, to determine um, what they're going to do if they enter the portal. This window closes on on Wednesday. So, one bit of big news about the portal, and I wrote about this on Friday. I think this is s- substantial. Could be substantial. The NCA is changing. The transfer rule to where you can still transfer once and play immediately somewhere else. And I'm fine with that. That was really what not was not the case for forever in college sports, but it did become so the last couple of years. And I do think kids deserve a, a, an opportunity to have a do over. But the NCAA, if you transfer a second time now, it's going to be much more difficult for you to get a, a a waiver granted to you in order to be able to play immediately. I think this could be massive. So what the NCAA clearly was concerned about is you got thousands of guys entering the portal, all thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. They find out it's not. They end up having to take lesser situations. Some don't get a situation at all. So maybe as a little bit of a deterrent to that, the NCAA takes a step back, 
corrects course a little bit. Says, hey, if you want to enter a second time, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to prove a couple things if you want this this waiver granted to play immediately. One is you've got to either let's see the way the rules are, are written. You've got to um, prove that you are physically injured or you have an illness or mental health issue in order to get that waiver granted so that you could play immediately. Or what's called exigent circumstances. And the example was such as physical assault or abuse or sexual assault, you know, something that is not related to athletics. So if, if you go somewhere and you don't like being there and you want to transfer, fine. But once you're there, you're pretty much going to have to stay there for a good while because you can't just up and move again a second time unless you prove that you're, you're injured or that there's a mental health issue or some other kind of serious issue where you should have this wa- waiver granted to you. So um, now one, one exception to it is the graduate transfer. You, you can still transfer as a graduate student and play immediately. So, Technically, kids could transfer twice now for free. Say you come to Penn State, you're there as a freshman, you don't like your situation, you want to transfer to West Virginia, and you can stay at West Virginia for a couple of years. And then as soon as you do receive your degree and you're a graduate student at West Virginia or wherever, then you can transfer somewhere else again a second time. And under that grad transfer eligibility requirement, you can play immediately somewhere else. So this allows basically for two free transfers as opposed to unlimited. You got some of these guys, you know, JT Daniels, the quarterback who started off at USC last was at uh, West Virginia. I want to say the kid went to Rice. If that, if that's, uh, if that's right, let's see. Yeah. He's not Rice. It's his fourth school. I saw a Michigan football player was going for his fifth different school. That's chaos, man. We got to get rid of that because when you have unlimited transfer access and unregulated NIL, I've talked about this for a year. You just create anarchy. You create the wild, wild west and free agency. So it's not often I give the NCAA credit for doing something right. I have very little respect as an institution for the NCAA, but they did something right here in changing this transfer portal rule. Again, just to give a little bit of a deterrent, you transfer a second time, don't just expect to be able to go play immediately somewhere else. Folks, let's have a little bit of fun with this, the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. So <laughs> the coaches poll comes out this past week. Uh, you all have heard the story by now, but I just wanted to mention it because it is anytime we can get a Pitt Penn State discussion or go back and forth. To me, that's always fun. I've been a radio host in Central PA for 14 years. I've always joked if I bring up a Pitt Penn State topic in May, I can get a lot of people interested. People will call my show. If I bring it up in January or July or September, it's always going to be the same. There's just so much kind of bad blood and love lost between uh, those uh, those two. 
So <laughs> James Franklin basically gives Pat Narduzzi and Pitt the middle finger by not ranking them in his coaches poll top 25. Now, Franklin was not the only one. There were, I don't know, 15, more than 15, I think, other coaches that didn't rank Pitt in the top 25. I think they're all wrong. When when you win five games in a row to close your season, and then without 10 starters playing, you go beat UCLA in the, in the Sun Bowl, you deserve to be ranked. And, Penn, and Pitt did end up getting ranked 22nd in both the AP and the coaches poll. But UCLA was 21st, which is total horse crap. UCLA finished 9-4, and four, Pitt finished 9-4. and four. Pitt beats UCLA. Pitt's got to be ranked ahead of UCLA. You lack damn common sense if you got UCLA ranked ahead of Pitt. When they both finished with the same record and Pitt just beat them playing with ten, without 10 starters. That's absurd. Well, that's how the voters in the AP and the coaches poll did it, though. And James Franklin did it that way as well. James Franklin voted UCLA 21st. He did not vote Pitt. He absolutely did this on purpose. Absolutely. I mean, look, I had one guy comment on on uh, on the website about, you don't know this for a fact. I do know it for a fact. They don't like Pitt. Pitt doesn't like them. That's not difficult to to come to the conclusion. They're going to they're going to toss shade at each other any chance they get. James Franklin's going to do it to Pitt. Pat Narduzzi's going to do it to Penn State. That's just the way it goes. So Franklin votes UCLA number 21, doesn't vote Pitt in his top 25. <laughs> okay, so on the other side, Penn State finishes 7th in the AP poll, 7th in the coaches poll. The highest ra- ranking that Penn State got, uh, they got a number one or two, I think number four votes in the coaches poll. The lowest ranking they got was number eight. Handf- a couple people voted them number eight. Ah, <laughs> except for Pat Narduzzi. He voted them ninth. Now, in the grand scheme of things, they finished seventh. He voted them ninth. Is that really a gigantic deal? Well, yes, it is. Because that's Pat Narduzzi giving a giant middle finger to James Franklin and Pitt. Because Narduzzi, for God's sake, ranked Clemson number seven. You want to talk about an asinine vote? I mean, I know you're trying to protect and and build up your conference, but Clemson lost three games, got destroyed in the bowl game by Tennessee, and Pat Narduzzi's got Clemson ranked seventh while he's got Penn State ninth. So, I mean, look, uh, there's I, I do be, I, I do believe that during the regular season, these coaches don't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to the coaches' poll. They can't. They don't have the time. Whether they just won or lost, they're gassed. They're working 20, 22 hours on Saturday, or they're up. They're they're preparing on Saturday night and Sunday morning for the next week. They ain't got time. They don't have the requisite time to go over what 30 or 40 teams did and try to compare them to come up with an adequate top 25. SIDs do it. They've got to get it done. But I do believe that for the final coaches poll, yeah, I do believe James Franklin 
took the time and voted on this and thought through what he was going to do with Pitt. And I do believe Pat Narduzzi took the time, thought through what he was going to do with Pitt, or, or what, he, what he was going to do with Penn State, what he was going to do with his own team. He voted his own team 18th, by the way. Franklin voted Penn State 7th. There are some coaches that had Penn State ranked higher than James Franklin did. Pitt was Narduzzi had Pitt 18th. That was the highest anybody had him. But he has Clemson 7th. There's clearly agendas here. Is it the end of the world? Is this our shattering stuff? No. No. Not at all. I'm laughing. I say a lot of this stuff in jest because none of it really matters a whole hell of a lot except for the fact that it gives us something interesting to talk about in the middle of January with regards to the fact that Pitt and Penn State don't like each other. James Franklin and Penn State don't like Pat Narduzzi and Pitt. And Pat Narduzzi and Pitt don't like James Franklin and Penn State. And that's the way it should be. It's it's funny. I've noticed, I, I, I wrote for the Altoona Mirror for 20 years. We cover Pitt and Penn State. This was always something that I would focus on a little bit because we have a lot of Pitt fans in Altoona. Obviously, there's a tremendous number of Penn State fans here, but we still have a lot of Pitt fans in Altoona. So fans here care about the whole Pitt-Penn State rivalry. Now I write for DK Pittsburgh Sports. We cover Penn State. We cover Pitt. Anytime there's a neat little uh <laughs> war of words, war of what anything, it's fun to look at that. Whose vote was more egregious? I would tend to say that Pat that James Franklin's vote was more egregious. To not include Pitt in your top 25 is dumb. They deserve to be in the rankings. And then to not include Pitt above UCLA is dumb. Although Franklin was not the only one to do that. And there were other coaches that did that that didn't have some personal agenda uh, against Pitt. But I would say I would lean toward Franklin's slide of Pitt being a, a little bit more of a, a, a of tossing shade than Narduzzi ranking Penn State ninth when, you know, Penn State finished seventh. All right, folks, that's going to wrap things up for me here on the We Are podcast this week. Continue to comment, read all the stories. I have a, I got a lot of good football stories and angles coming up here over the next week or two. We'll see what other news develops with the end of the transfer portal window, where guys end up. We'll have the news of the day, but I'll also have a lot of really good angles here. And when the portal closes, I'm thinking, Next Sunday, I'll probably have my record prediction for next season. It'll be a good record. I said earlier, I'm debating anywhere from 11 and one to eight and four. I ain't picking eight and four. I'm not going to go down that, uh, that hole, but I'm, I'm, you know, it is something I've thought about, but I'll probably have that record uh, prediction coming up next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week.